Wow. Do you know we've been given one life and only one life? The Bible tells us that we are a mist that appears and then vanishes. But you know, the Bible talks very much about what that mist is and how it's to look. The Bible says that we matter. The Bible says that that mist, that dash between the day that you were born and the day that you will die is what counts. I wonder if you've ever thought about that very much. Well, you know, we have an amazing God and that God designed us uniquely. Psalm 139 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was formed in the secret place. All the days of my life are written in the book of life before even one of them came into being. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you. And each and every one of you are completely unique. And God knows each and every one of your days, what they will look like, how long you will live, and the possibilities that he has for your life. And I wonder if we live that dash in the fullness of those possibilities that God foreknew were there for you. A couple of years ago, my mother celebrated her 70th birthday and she's exactly um, 20 years older than me. So um, I'm a triplet and I celebrated my 50th. And what she wanted more than anything was for DNA testing to see that if, in fact, we were identical or not. She'd waited 50 years to find out. So we went off and got DNA tested, and it came back, the fact that I am actually medically an identical triplet. That is, three babies came from one egg. I share the same genetic code and DNA as two other people walking around on this earth. And despite that, we're all different. Despite that, God has formed me uniquely and God has got a purpose and a life and a plan for me uniquely distinct from people that are so similar to me. So even more so for you. You know, prior to... Uh, being called here in this church. I worked for seven years in a palliative care service and I worked with people who were dying and their families. And I need to tell you that I can guarantee that the one thing that will cause you to really examine and review and think about the priorities of your life is when you're facing your own death. 
I too, nine years ago, had an aggressive cancer and had aggressive treatment and faced death twice. And I look back at that time and thank God for that experience because it helped to reprioritise my life. It jolted me into thinking about what really matters, what really counts. Jesus said that he has come to give us life and give us life in all its fullness. And yet I believe that so many people, when I was working with them, came to the end of their life with regret rather than celebration. Regret of not loving where they could have, of not taking the risks out of comfort zones to make a difference, of holding on to hurts and baggage rather than taking the courage to surrender and to be restored, of remaining small when they could have been so big, of not growing or enlarging your heart through mistakes or applying the lessons to new beginnings, of not learning to persevere and endure but to give up too soon, of blaming too much on the past and others rather than taking responsibility, of not climbing that mountain, of not taking that risk, of not loving as deeply as you should have. Do you realise that when it comes to the end of your earthly life, you won't even be thinking about your career or your home or how much money you have in the bank? What remains is your character and your relationships and your legacy, your influence. But mostly, if you're anything like me, you'll regret not loving God enough. You're a mist, it's true. But if you love Jesus, this mist will actually go on for all eternity. In Ecclesiastes, it says that he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in our hearts. Yet men cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Isn't that often the state of our own lives? You see, what God is saying is when we ask Jesus into our lives, we actually, eternity starts right now, right here. You see, this life is an apprenticeship for the life that goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. And the question is, Are you waiting for eternity to have the fullness of life? Or are you going to make that dash count right now, right this day? Because I believe that that is what God wants for us. Some years ago, in fact, it's about 17 years ago now, Warren, my husband and I, we really felt that God was calling us to live here in Albury-Wodonga. We were living in Melbourne. And when we were first married back in the early 80s, we lived for two years here. And we said that one day we would love to come back. We moved back because it was the recession 
And in actual fact, interest rates were around 17.5%. So just uh, take note of that. It was a tough time. And so we had to move back to Melbourne to find work. But we knew that one day we would move back here. God had opened doors for us. We'd purchased a place out on the Weir, which was just a miracle in itself. The, the position was spectacular, but it was an old army hut. And for years, when we finally did move up here, we lived in and around and over and under it while Warren built our house. Everything seemed right for us to move up here. We said our farewells to our church family, to our friends, to our own family, and then we waited. We actually waited three years to sell our house in Melbourne, and we thought, what's going on, Lord? We really thought we were doing his will. We were in the centre of his will, and yet... We hung around for another three years. Do you know what it's like to hang around after everyone's farewelled you and they've wished you well? You end up feeling like a bad smell, really. But in that time, there was one scripture which continued to be our life scripture. And it was Matthew 6. And it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. I have to be honest, I did a lot of worrying in those three years. But God says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. But, and I love it when the scriptures say, but... Because we know when the scriptures say, but, we're about to learn something really big. We're about to learn something that is life-changing. And this was what was life-changing. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Eternal life begins with our faith in Jesus Christ. This life, this dash, is a life in his present kingdom now on earth and available to each and every one of us. It's about living now in, as in kingdom living, not living only for what we can get out of life, but for the priorities of God in our lives. How life-giving it would be to say that God's words and his will for us is not just a good way to live, but it's actually the best life strategy that we could ever have. Prioritising a life of obedience is how we make the dash count. But you might say, that's fine for you, Gail. You're employed to live a godly life. You're employed to serve God and make God his priority. Well, Dallas Willard, in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, Rediscovering Our Hidden Life in God, says, he, Jesus, matters. 
because of what he brought and what he still brings to ordinary human beings, living their ordinary lives and coping daily with their surroundings. He promises wholeness for their lives. In sharing our weaknesses, he gives us strength. And through his life, he imparts the qualities of kingdom life and eternity. He comes where we are and he brings us the life we hunger for. You see, Jesus came as a blue-collar worker. He came as a carpenter. And he lived a very ordinary life up until his mission. And if he was to come today, he could carry out his mission through almost any servant and useful occupation. He could be an accountant, a computer engineer, a bank clerk, an auditor, an editor, a doctor, a homemaker, a childcare worker, a waiter, a teacher, a farmer, a lab technician or a mechanic. And if he were to come today, he could live in your flat or your house, hold down your job, have your education and life prospects and live within your family, surroundings and time. None of this would be the least hindrance to the eternal life he has for us right now, right here, as we live in and through him. Because our human life is not destroyed by God's standards or life, but it's fulfilled in them alone. Living in him is how we make the dash count, being obedient and making him the priority in our lives is how we make the dash count. Some wise person once told me that if you are truly living daily in him, allowing his presence in all you do, reading even if it's only a few lines of his precious word daily and asking him to be with you daily, being open to his spirit at all times, then where you are and what you are doing right now is his will for you. That makes sense, doesn't it? If we're living fully in him, then we'll know what his will for us is. And if we respond with obedience, I can guarantee you, I can truly guarantee you, even looking at my own life, that you'll really know what life to the full really means. I wonder if anyone has done a jigsaw puzzle and has found it frustrating because one of the pieces is missing. Sometimes our lives can feel like the pieces are all scattered around us. We ask for wisdom, but as Karen said earlier, we resist the experiences that will grow wisdom in us. Sometimes we reach only for the pieces of the puzzle we like and we say to God, I only like the nice colours. I don't like the dark colours. Could you put the pieces of my life together without the dark colours? And yet I have to tell you that it's often only in the dark colours, when we're in the valleys, that we truly know the depth of our relationship with Jesus Christ, that we truly know life. Jesus said that he'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death and that he'll be with us. 
Sometimes we ask for guidance, but instead of looking to God's view and Jesus' teachings regarding what our life should be like, we pick and we choose, we sort and we separate. We pray for direction, but resist it when it's given. Or don't respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit because of time or laziness or inconvenience. We can even tell God, I love you, God. And then go away from prayer looking for something more enjoyable to do. And sometimes we even say, I'm going to leave this problem with you, God. But then pick it up again as soon as we've left it. It is true that God holds all the pieces of the puzzle of our life together. But he needs our active cooperation, our partnership our will to meet with his will and to make our lives uh, count, to make his will in our lives a priority and to obey that, to put the whole picture together. You know, the Israelites were a case in point. The whole Old Testament is testament to God's faithfulness to a people that... He wanted uh, them to honour him so that the world would come to understand who this awesome, faithful, mighty God is. And like all human beings, at times they had real bursts of obedience, but mostly they were disobedient. And we know the story of when they left Egypt and they were slaves in Egypt and then God drew them out of Egypt through Moses, who was an ordinary man. He just had a pretty extraordinary life. And they wandered around in the wilderness. Why? For 40 years through lack of obeying God. They ate bread, manna from heaven and water. What what does bread and water as a food symbolise? It's prison food. Even though they were redeemed out of slavery, their disobedience kept them imprisoned in the wilderness for 40 years. And you know, not one, sorry, two, two people, only two from that generation ever got to move into the life that God had for them. Only two, and they were two that had obeyed God. Deuteronomy gives us a pretty good example of what life is like when we don't obey God. It says, There the Lord will give you an anxious mind, eyes weary with longing, and a, I can hardly read this, despairing heart. You will live in constant anxiousness or suspense, filled with dread. Does that describe some of your lives here today? Does that describe what life is like for you? Well, I have to tell you, there's an answer to that. You've got to get back on track. You've got to reprioritise your life, this mist, this dash, and choose today. Am I going to make this count? Jesus? Am I going to obey the call that is on my life? You know, 
in Deuteronomy 28, God said that there were blessings for obedience. Blessings for obedience. He says you will be blessed in the city and in the country and you're going out and you're coming in. You'll be blessed. Your work will be blessed. Your crops and your livestock. In other words, everything that we could conceive of in our earthly life will be blessed if we obey God. And there is a key to this. Just only a few chapters over, in Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20, he says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life or death, blessings or curses. Now choose life. It's a choice. Life does not just happen to us. Some things do. Some things are not of our choosing. But in general, we have choice. Do we choose the things of God or do we choose our own way? Because that way will lead to destruction. But when we choose God and choose his way, we have life. We have blessing. Love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. You see, so many of us compartmentalise our lives. We say, look, this is my work life. This is my family life. Oh, when I come to church on Sunday, yet this is my spiritual life. Well, wrong. Your whole life, if you know Jesus Christ, is spiritual Your whole life is spiritual. And no matter what you are doing, no matter where you are, no matter what is in your life, no matter what your priority is, your priority is God and his will in your life. And you have to actively seek it. We must choose relationship with God as a priority. We must make it our purposes to discover and explore God's will for us. Settle it once and for all. That God's will is not to be thought of as, what should I do with my career? Should I move? Should I buy a new house? Yes, it is that. But it's an all-over life guide. It's a life strategy. It involves not only your circumstances, but you. God's will is more than just finding a way through the maze of decisions and options we face throughout life. It is more than just finding out how he views certain issues and voting with him in those issues. God's will is the destiny he has prescribed for each of our lives. And he says, if anyone, if anyone here would come after me, he must deny himself Take up his cross daily in the ordinariness of your life and follow me. Because you don't know what possibilities there are. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. That is, whoever wants to live his own way will lose it. But whoever wants to uh, 
live his life for me will find it. Either it will be one in which we choose our own way and ask God to bless it, or we'll surrender to him, giving ourselves into his hands to be remade as he chooses. Are you seeking first his kingdom and his will as a priority in your life? Maybe today, maybe today, when you think about your life, when you think about that dash that will be there on your tombstone, maybe today you'll look back and think, this was the defining moment where I reappraised my life and I recommitted my entire life to God's will and obeyed him. There's one scripture that if any scripture today leaps out at you, I would ask that you go home and you read and you pray and I want to throw out a challenge. I would love for you to pray this scripture every day for one month and see what God can do in and of your life. And it's this scripture, and I'm sorry it's so hard to read. It's Colossians 1, 9 to 12. Take it down, take it home, and imbue it in your life and let it live in your life. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Ah, Who here today wants to live a life worthy of the Lord? We sang a beautiful song about how I will honour God God's purpose for us is to obey him and to live a life that is worthy for him. I was handed this just this morning. I just want to read it to you. I think it's excellent. A Christian philosopher, Dr J.P. Moreland, is a man with a mission. He claims that Christians are not experiencing spiritual maturity because they are victims of something he calls the empty self syndrome. This lack of maturity leaves believers without the necessary tools to impact their culture for God's kingdom or to experience what the Bible calls the mind of Christ. According to Moreland, the purpose of life for believers is to bring honour to God. This involves finding one's vocation and pursuing it, seeking it for the good of both believers and non-believers while in the process being changed into more a more Christ-like person, doing this well involves developing intellectual and moral virtues over long periods of time, obeying God and delaying the constant desire for immediate gratification. Eternity starts right now, today. And we've got a long life to live. God wants us to make the most of it, to make it count, 
but he wants our lives to be worthy of him. He wants our lives to please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks. We sang about how can I thank you for all that you have given me? Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. This is what the blessings are. God has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. I think we need a whole sermon on what that means. But all I know is that God says the kingdom of God is within us right now, right here. That is his will, his purposes, his spirit, his empowerment is in us right now if we know and love him. We need to live a life worthy of our Lord. So how do we do that? What do we need to do in order to do that? It, it, it all sounds really fine. It sounds fantastic. Well, you know, I've discovered something. I've discovered that in my life, I cannot do what God calls me to do unless there's some pretty powerful supernatural power helping me along. You know, when we go and switch, when we want light, we actually have to go across to the light switch and switch it on in order for there to be light. And when I have done a careful study of the scriptures on the Holy Spirit and his power giving us that light in order to live, I've discovered one very interesting thing. I've discovered that the Holy Spirit does not give his power in a vacuum. He does not give his power to those that don't expect it, don't desire it and don't seek it. What I've come to understand is that every instance in the Bible where the Holy Spirit's power has empowered an individual to live their lives fully obedient to God's will. It's always because that individual has surrendered their life, has done something significant to open themselves up to the Spirit. They've obeyed God in some way. Think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, Mary, we're told, was only, or we come to understand, was only about 14 when she was told by an angel that she would bear the very creator of the universe, God's only son. And sometimes I ponder on that and I think they were some of the most incredible words in all of scripture that were spoken to an individual. Think about it. You, a lowly, ordinary girl, you're going to actually bear the Son of God. It's impossible to get our heads around, isn't it? 
And the reason that God chose Mary was for one reason and one reason only. We're told in Luke chapter 1. It's because Mary had an obedient heart. Mary obeyed despite the impossibility of that news. Mary obeyed. And we find in Luke 1, 35, that the angel said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Mary received the power of the Holy Spirit simply because she obeyed. What are you going to do to make the dash count? Well, first of all, you're going to prioritise God and his ways in your life. You're going to seek the kingdom with all your heart. And you're going to obey because there you'll have blessing rather than curses. And in that obedience, you'll open yourself up to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You see, God does not expect us to live to our full potential without him, without his power. Jesus says, Another way, sorry, that we receive power is through reading his word. That's how we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. In Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, he said, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. You see, knowing God's will means knowing his word. So if you don't get into the scriptures very often, you are limiting the possibilities that God has for your life of making the dash count. You see, and you're limiting the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. The most powerful people on earth are those who have been with Jesus. That's the bottom line. Intimacy with Jesus, being with him, always produces passion for him, always. There's another Mary in the Bible, and it was Lazarus' sister. And when Lazarus lay dying, Mary came to him and said, Lord, if you'd been with here with him, my brother would not have died. And when Mary said these words, Jesus wept. He walked to the tomb and he raised Mary's brother from the dead. Now Martha had had a previous conversation about the fact that she knew that he was Jesus Christ. And Martha could have got a great theological teaching out of Jesus. But a person like Mary could break Jesus' heart and move him to raise someone from the dead. People who have Mary's passion for the Lord Jesus, can move him in such a way that others cannot. Passion for Jesus gave Mary access to the power of Jesus. Does that make sense? I knew a man once who had a passion for Jesus and loved spending time with him. His name is John Docking and he's a dear friend. 
Two years ago, though, John turned 60 and he had literally thought his usefulness for Jesus was completed. He'd successfully raised his children. He was not exactly fulfilled, but prepared to continue to work part-time at TAFE here at Albury. But his passion for Jesus led to a power through the Holy Spirit of turning his life upside down. Just last week, he and Marg headed off to Uganda for two years. He'd made Jesus his first priority. He obeyed. And then through his passion for Jesus, allowed the Holy Spirit's power to enable him to believe that he was still useful and called by God. God's plan for us is making the dash count. I was at a seminar yesterday and my supervisor, who is in her late 70s, was at this seminar. And she, after all her years of study and experience, still hungered to know more. Last year, Warren and I were at um, a two-day leadership in-service in Melbourne, and who should be there but Norman Pell, over 80, but still seeking out the knowledge of God in so many different ways, knowing that there's more to life. Life, God is not done with him yet. There's still more to learn. There's still more to do. He's being obedient to God and God's call on his life. Making the dash count is what we need to do. God says that we need to be joyful in our lives. Thank him for all that he has here. I want you to remember in that Psalm 139 that Jesus said, all the days of your life, your life, your life, your life, my life are ordained in his book of life before any one of them came into being. And they matter. They matter to God. They matter that your lives are worthy of him, that you honour him. We're told in Romans 12.1 that we are to present our whole bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. Our question today, are you going to make the dash count? I've been privileged to have experiences like many of you that have caused me to really think about my life as I've journeyed with others and as I've looked at my own life. And I praise God that even though it's hard at times, I know that I only want to live my life for him. I want to respond to his will in my life. There's no other way. That's how you make the dash count. At the, begin, at the end sorry, of my life, on my tombstone, I'd like people to be able to say she knew what her priorities were. She loved deeply her God, her family, her friends, 
and people. She was passionate about life and the things that God is passionate about. And she made a difference by just being born. By being who she was, she helped me to know Jesus more. I love that to be on my tombstone, that under that dash there were those words. What about you? How are you making the dash count? I thought today as we end, there's two things I want you to do. There's a blue card that you got this morning when you came in with your bulletin. And every Wednesday, we have a team of prayers that pray for the requests on the back of that blue card. And you know what I'd love to be able to do? I'd love for our team this Wednesday to receive those blue cards and to see the names that have been written on those blue cards. Gail, yes, please pray for me. Remember Colossians 1. Please pray for me to make my dash count. I really want to make my life worthy for my Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this one life that you have given to us. And today I pray that there is someone even if it's only one that has been moved in this room today to reprioritise their life, to recommit, to reassess or maybe commit for the very first time to live a kingdom life now here on earth and then for all eternity. I would just pray Lord Jesus Christ, that you would convict even just that one person to make a difference for you, Jesus, to make a difference for this world, to have an influence in the everyday sphere of their lives for you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, equip, empower us through your precious name we pray. And let us leave knowing that our lives are so precious to you, that they're worth the cost, they're worth the surrender, they're worth the daily losing of self in order to fully live. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Just one-